I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I am delighted to say that I'm joined by a star-studded panel this evening. First up, Dan Potts. How you doing, mate? Welcome back. It's been a while. It has been a while, man. I had a lovely holiday in Croatia, man, and I've come back to this absolute nonsense that we call Arsenal Football Club, supporting them in the transfer 40 window. Forty seconds. Um, <laughs> let's all get excited. Let's all get excited. Trust the process. Josh told me to be excited, so I'm buzzing for this transfer window. Uh, El Neni signed and Ketia signed. We're all happy. It's all buzzing, man. But thank you for having me on, bro. <laughs> Typical Dan Potts start. Um, Dan, before I forget, mate, because I, I've got a feeling that we're going to get right into it this evening and there's probably not going to be any time for sort of niceties and uh, and, and formalities. So let people know uh, about your brand new channel, what you do on it. Uh, the link oh, is in the description for those of you that want to go over there and check it out and subscribe. Um, so I thought we'd get this out of the way before we start going at each other. Go on. You, you, you're a legend, bro, because when you said, oh, we ain't got much time to be nice, I thought, what's he going to say here? What's actually going to say here? <laughs> but no, thank you, my bro. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, um, the time has come. Um, if you want to hear a lot more from me, there's only been a few videos out. I'm on my way to 2K. So if you can come over and subscribe, it'll be amazing. Um, football's 12th, man. It's not just Arsenal content. It's Premier League content. Literally just put out a show before I come on here with big Steve Matisse and Tobes uh, from the Big Six talking about transfers, talking about Bissouma and talking about Jesus and players that, let's be honest, are not going to come to Arsenal no more, so it seems. So um, if you do want to come and talk over uh, some transfer news, then please head over there now and subscribe. I'd much appreciate it. And Harry, thank you for the plug, man. You're more than welcome. Make sure you do go and check it out, guys. Uh, also joining us, uh, the queen of the Highbury squad, Sophie Nicolau is with us. Sophie, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, epically well, thank you, if that's actually a word. Uh, the teacher at the bottom right corner will tell us. Uh, great. Good to well, see your it. faces and really excited for this show. Batten down the hatches, people. I have a feeling if it's anything like our WhatsApp group, it's going to be quite special. <laughs> it's going to be spicy, that's for sure. Also joining us is the king of the 8am shows, uh, the most dedicated <laughs> Arsenal YouTuber out there because I am not doing any shows at 8am uh, for anyone, for love nor money. So, Tom, uh, hats off to you for that, mate. Welcome back. How are you? Thanks, man. I don't know what, what's this WhatsApp group. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I've never, never done. What is WhatsApp? Never heard of it, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. You, so, you and Dan uh, are the biggest culprits in that WhatsApp no, group. <laughs> I, I am notorious for being the easiest person to bait on earth. So you know, it's it's just it just. I, I love I love Canton in a WhatsApp group, man. I love it. I was so. Do you know, so I'm not in any other than that and my own one. <laughs> you know what I love is um, Harry is that, that our time difference is eight hours. So sometimes these guys are going at it and I wake up to like 322.5 messages um, which is right. always enjoyable in the morning when I do my wordle and then read Dan and uh, and Tom go at it. I never Hilarious. thought I'd hear the sentence of Dan and Tom going at it. I mean that's that's something. <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's, that's something I never want to hear again if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is I've got like with the WhatsApp groups right I'm, I'm one of these people that I admit it, I mute a lot of WhatsApp groups because otherwise I'll do nothing else. Like it would disturb me every five seconds, different groups, different things going on. But this is one I like to pop in, sort of have a little jab at someone and then get out and then check it back. Well, someone someone you mean, Dan. Dan. Yeah. Dan. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> me no. really. All jokes aside, yeah, good to have you all here. Thank you all so much for taking time out of your days uh, for this chat. It's been a while. It's long overdue. And um, today feels like a difficult day as an Arsenal fan because of some of the reaction we've seen to a player that, let's be honest, Arsenal were never actually in for, uh, moving to Tottenham, supposedly. He's on his way to Tottenham. That's Yves Bissouma of Brighton. I'll come to you first, Tom, because I don't believe that Arsenal were ever in for Yves Bissouma. I think if they wanted him, they would have made their move previously. And I think this is the classic case of the fans want him. And that's been translated in some people's minds to, well, Arsenal must want him. And so we've missed out. What on earth are we doing? First of all, 
Do you agree? Do you disagree? Were Arsenal ever in the race for Yves Bissouma this summer? And are you disappointed that he's heading to Spurs? Not, not this summer, no. no. We, you know, there wasn't any chance Arsenal were going to go for him. But we, we have been interested in Bissouma. You know, the Arsenal have followed Bissouma for, for a while. Um, but this summer, no. Um, we weren't in for him. He's a very good footballer. Like, there's, there's no debate about that. He's a very good footballer. He's very good at what he does. He's a very good defensive midfielder. Um, I... I just don't think that the club are looking at defensive midfields as an area that's one of their priorities this summer. You know, central midfields, this this you know this progressive central midfield role that they want, the striker position, a wide forward to replace Pepe when he inevitably moves on, and a versatile fullback. You know, and a goalkeeper that they've already obviously sorted. You know, they were all of the priority positions. But when you've got Partey and Xhaka and Lukonga and El Nenny there, whether or not you know we agree with wanting some of those players or not, they're there and they're going to be there next season. And you have no strikers and you have one progressive central midfielder and you have Tavares as the backup who could leave you know, at left back and you have Cedric as the backup right back, um, who again, has, there's been offers for him, but I feel like he'll stay. But when that's the, when that's the situation... You can understand why Arsenal aren't going for a, a six. Um, if we had, you know, if we had the scope to be able to go out and say we're going to bring in the striker that we want, the wide forward we want, arguably two forwards that we want, um, the central midfielder, possibly even another central midfielder to play, you know, in, in that left sided central midfield and compete with Erdegaard's a fullback. And then on top of all of that, we can go out and upgrade upon Xhaka. I'm all for that. You know, don't get me wrong. If, if you're telling me I can upgrade on a player, I'm not going to say I don't want to do that because that's ridiculous. But realistically, depending on what we're doing this summer, it's just not a deal that, that Arsenal were looking at or we're going to do. So, yeah. Let me come to Sophie next because I know Dan is a massive Bissouma fan and I know he's going to have a bit of a rant about it. So, Was that Sophie... the new tattoo he got? It was, wasn't it? Just, is that why he's annoying? <laughs> have you got Bissouma <laughs> tattooed on your bum, Dan? <laughs> no, it's not on my bum, but I can't tell you where it is tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, um, what's your take on this? Because, look, whether we want Bissouma or not, whether... You know, that was ever a possibility. As Tom says, I, I believe that he's right, that especially this summer, it was never really on the cards. But this has kind of sparked and prompted a lot of panic within the Arsenal fan base with regards to the lack of business that we've seen from our club so far. Obviously, the signing of Marquinhos has been done, but it's very clear that that is one, perhaps not for the here and now, but more so for the future. How are you feeling in general about the window and circling back to Bissouma, I guess, is are you disappointed that somebody else has been able to pick him up for what looks like a pretty reasonable price? So a couple of things, uh, the caveat to what I'm going to say is I've been very critical of the owners and I've also been very critical of Mikel Arteta. And I've said that Edu is on the clock with this transfer window. With that said, how many days has the transfer window been open? Three? Now, I understand that conversations happen prior to that, which I think for a lot of Arsenal fans with no announcement yet, it makes them fear that we're moving slowly again. For some Arsenal fans, they rest on, well, look what we did last summer. We signed players that everyone poo-pooed. They end up being decent and contributed greatly to an evolving team under this Arteta process. I was saying on our show last night that process you know, becomes progress, but then it also has to be closing. And we're a team that just always does so well and is so nice and we can't close. So for me, the biggest deal in this transfer window, and I'm not panicking yet, and I will at the end of the window, of course, is that we need to bring in experienced players. We have to evolve this team and build around this young squad, which, by the way, at some point, that excuse is going to go out the window too. You know, yes, they're young, but, you know, Tommy and Ben and, you know, those young players, they're men, they're not boys. The young is, you know, ESR and Saka and Martinelli. But we have to surround them with really good experienced players if we're going to move forward and progress. So for me, I would have loved like a statement signing and we'll get into kind of some of our players. I don't care if he was rubbish at PSG last season, but I'll give you an example of the quality and the experience I'm talking about. Arsenal announced Wijnaldum. Who's, who's going to be upset with that, right? He was absolutely rubbish at PSG last season, but there's a reason for that. He's 31 years old. He's still quality. Or, you know, first week, this is what Arsenal fans want. Arsenal signed Zinchenko. 
That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear about Marquinhos, a player that might go on loan. They don't want to hear that at this point, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. The reason why the sky is falling today is two things. One is they've seen this movie before, so it's the hope that kills you. And the second part is, once again, we're losing our minds over something Tottenham have done. It's the same thing, finishing fourth and missing out on that. If that was Manchester United, yes, we would have been peeved off. Yes, it would have been brutal, but it's because it was Tottenham. You know, Tottenham sign and announcing already. Sky's falling. It's because Tottenham are doing it. Manchester United were doing it. I think we'd point the finger a little bit, but because it's them, and in some fans' minds, they're progressing and we're not. I think that's the biggest issue with this point of the transfer window. And the other thing is fans want players in before the summer tour. And, you know, I think they have every right to feel that way. Dan, let's come to you. Um, I know you had your heart set on Yves Bissouma as a player that you've liked for a while. You've you've always said for, throughout the duration of us two speaking and, and knowing each other that you'd like to see him in Arsenal's midfield. How much of your disappointment, though, is is based on the fact that you like the player as opposed to the overall window? Because as Sophie says, we're only three or four days in, right? Yeah, you're bang on. And Sophie's bang on as well. Um, and I'm not having a huge meltdown about it because actually I think I'm done with that now. Um, Tottenham aren't doing anything that I didn't expect them to do. Um, I told everybody this is going to happen. They've got the guy in, they're going to back him and trust me, they're going to get players in. And although people might look and laugh at some of the players they've got in, like Perisic is done and he's wasted and Fraser Force is old and he's hardly going to play, I disagree with it because I think both of the signings are good. I think Perisic is a player that over in Serie A has come in and done very, very uh, will do very, very well. He's a player that's hardly ever injured. I think he'll fit the system. He's a workhorse and his mentality is that he wants to win. And it's a signing that is we want to win now. He doesn't want to win in five years. Conte wants to win now. And that's a signing that's going to allow that to at least be something realistic for them to either bring a trophy in at the club or do what they can, uh, which would be a madness for them to put a title challenge in or a Champions League win. So for me, when I look at signings like that, that worries me. The reason Basuma worries me is because he's a player that I've liked that's Premier League proven that has all the attributes I believe we need in our Arsenal midfield and I think it's a player that will definitely upgrade and strengthen Spurs and when it's a player that I've liked for a few seasons and he goes down them lot down the road that's why it sucks even more for me so I think that's what it is when it's Tottenham when it's Man United it still hurts but when it's somebody like Everton when it's somebody like Newcastle even who've got lots of money Villa I don't actually think I'd be hating it as much it's just because he's gone to them and he will improve them I think that's why it's it sucked big time when it comes to what we're doing (laughs) And why I hate it is because what Tottenham are doing is everything that I want us to do, basically, at the moment. And people laugh because they haven't won anything. Um, But trust me, I believe Conte will win Tottenham something. I think he's the best thing that could happen to them in decades. Said it for a long time. As soon as he got in there, I said, this is the guy we should have got. I would have gone for Tuchel, but as soon as Conte come about, I was like, we need to get this guy in. And everybody said we had no chance. Then when he went to Tottenham, everybody went very quiet and thought, oh, Actually, yeah, he could have come to us, but we're still trusting a process and we're still buying 19-year-old players from Brazil no one's heard of while they're going in and getting the Perisic's linked with the Bastoni's and the Ericsson's. And at least if they don't get them, they're linked with the right players that I think could go and push them forward. Now, the window is very young. I like the Tiedemann's link. I would take Gabby Jesus, although I think he'll be wearing a Chelsea shirt, if you ask me honestly, in next season. I think what we want to see is what Tottenham are doing. And that's what's frustrating, is they're getting the players in now and every single one of them, in my opinion, is going to be an upgrade at least on what they've already got. And I think that's the biggest frustration for Arsenal fans right now. I want to be seen as going to the top and I demand the best and always have done. And that's why I'm going to lay off the Mikel Arteta stuff now because I've done that enough and I'm going to the ownership. Because for me, if you're keeping this guy in the job when he's come 8th, 8th and 5th and underachieved every season... I, I, I can't have it as an ownership anymore. And I can't trust behind it. So if he's going to get backed in the summer and Cronky's going to throw a load of money at it and we still underperform, I'm looking at him, not Mikel, and saying, why? what do you expect? This guy's been here too long and he ain't taking us to the place that you think he's going to. So I'm coming for Stan Cronky if things don't go right, mate. Sophie, on the, the Stan Cronky thing, right? It, every time a transfer window comes along and, and we don't do what we'd like to see the club do, from a fan's perspective or, you know, when a season ends disappointingly, the the first thing that we always point to is, is Stan Kroenke and we point to the ownership and we talk about the problems that stem from there. Mm-hmm. But it's also a problem that they have the ability to make go away, isn't it? For a little while, at least. Like, 
we talk about what Spurs are doing and, and everybody's kind of getting carried away with Spurs, in my opinion, because as much as I think they're making the right moves, they're, they're making the right moves for the here and now. And that's fine. But I don't think that you can have sustained success on such an unstable platform. And Antonio Conte at Spurs is unstable for me. I mean, I'm willing to to bet with anybody that I don't think he, he'll be there more than another 12 months. Like, I, th- I think he becomes on. unstable, but he wins you stuff before that instability comes. It's, you know, it's, it's taken from the same chapter of the book of management with Jose Mourinho, not saying they're exactly the same, but you get something for a while and then it all goes you know, Pete Tong, and then it leaves debris that someone else coming in has to fix. Our club had stability for so long. And then for the last 10 years of Wenger, you could say we had instability on the pitch. We had stability in the, in, in terms of, you know, how they ran the club financially. Um, But at, at the same time, we did a show last night, we were talking about why we can't go out and buy certain players, you know, why we have, you know, what's, what's our net spend, what's our debt, you know, look at the terrible deals and contracts we've done. We haven't even, the last player we sold for over 20 million was Joe Willock to Newcastle. Before that, the best deal we probably did was Iwobi to Everton. You know, these are the fundamental business components that ownership should manage better. And they've hired wrong people and they've hired novices and you see that. But it also was inherited from some bad things Gazidis did from a business perspective. Now you're at this position. But when you have the power the Cronkies do to change something, and you said it at the end there, Harry, change something, they have the means to change it. They're just not willing to pump in their own money the way that Arsenal fans want and have seen other ownership do that. It's just not their model. Does that make it right? No. Um, Does it make it wrong? Yes, in so many regards. So this is the window for me that if they truly want to back up this crap PR that they feed us all the time about ambition and be excited. This is the window to do it in. You need a goal scorer. Go get a goal scorer. Spend the money, you know. And and Kev was talking to me about financial fair play yesterday, and I almost laughed because I was like, wow, they're pointing the finger at us uh, 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 because of FFP. And look at all the teams that have gotten away with it for so long. But when you cook the books, you know, the numbers don't lie. Not cook the books, but when you see the books, the numbers don't lie. But this is the window to do it in. If we don't, we fall further down the pegging. And I think finishing fourth is going to be tougher this season than it was last season. But don't go out and sell me marquee. I don't care. I'm sorry, guys. You can come at me. I give zeros that this guy signed. I don't know anything about him. I haven't seen him play. I'm not saying he's not talented. But people keep saying, oh, the next Martinelli or whatever. How long did it take Martinelli to get into the first team? We were crying out for him, but it was a process. Laconga wasn't ready. Tavares wasn't ready. The time for the, the, buying potential is over. The time to invest in what you know is the now. Facts. Nice no, facts. I just want to comment on the back of what you're saying, Sof, because I think a lot of people watching this will think, oh my God, Bissouma signed for Tottenham and Arsenal fans are, are crying about it. Actually, it's got nothing to do with that because we've been saying this for a long time. Well, I've been saying this for a long time. I know Sophie has as well. And if you look at the window and, and the, the windows, it's always the next window. Let's see what happens in the next window. Let's see what happens in the next window. We'll have a window in the summer. We'll have, have a few bad results and everyone will say, let's see what happens in January. And then it will go, let's see what happens in the summer. I've had enough of Windows. I've had enough of this. I want to see what we are, what we are about progression-wise. And I need to see that Mikel Arteta and Edu and, and Vina and all these people have looked at what we've not done so far and then go and change the way they look at things because it hasn't worked today. I can think of what free signings I look at and go, cool, yeah, I'll take that. Gabriel, party when he's fit. Maybe Tommy Asu, Erdegaard. Yeah, he's quite a pretty footballer. Wouldn't mind him scoring a goal or two. Would be quite nice. Ramsdale needs to keep his head. I actually quite like him, but he needs to keep keep his head calm. Otherwise, it's been trash. Tavares, Laconga, Ceballos, Willian, Runnison, Cedric, Marie. Oh, come on, man. The list goes on how poor some of them have been. So now I need to go and see what you've what you've not done right and go and prove that you actually want to go and get someone that can improve and upgrade us. And I believe some of the players we're linked with, Tielemans would do that. I think Gabriel Jesus would do that. So if I start to see those players and we put in an ambitious bid for somebody like Ozzy or Tammy Abraham or whoever it is that you, everybody wants in the chat, 
the Basuma thing's gone now. So if we go and put in a link for the Ruben Neves is of this world, whoever it be, I would like to think that that would at least give me some hope that we're going down a different route. I don't want to see any more Marquinhos is coming in, man. Like we've done that. That's enough. We've got the Patinos and people like that coming through yeah, behind I, us. I don't want any more of them, man. But the thing, the thing with Marquinhos with that signing, right, is that, and I'll come to you, Tom, is that that isn't the marquee signing this summer. We hope, right? I, I'd be, I'd be shocked if that was the, the most high-profile signing we've made because mm. it isn't high-profile at all. But we can't be like, like it's. It doesn't mean that because we haven't seen Tielemans come yet or we haven't seen a deal done for Gabriel Jesus yet or anybody of a high profile that we should almost rubbish the signing of Marquinhos. Because if that happened in between two big signings, the outlook on it would be very different. And it's important, I think, not to let our emotions sort of overshadow the fact that the club are clearly trying to recruit players that are going to have a sell-on value in the future or are going to be super important for the team moving forward and that is kind of going back to basics and we kind of stopped doing that for a while and and I feel like we are building properly and it's going to take time okay and and mm. as we were saying on the show we did earlier today with Mike Stavrou like Arsenal have to do a hell of a lot more convincing to sign a player than Liverpool do nowadays than Manchester City do because we're not dining at the top table and you can say it's accepting mediocrity and it's this and it's that and it's accepting failure it's understanding the current landscape and the fact that we are not as appealing a, a prospect as we once were. So now we have to work that little bit harder. And now we're not at the front of the queue for these players. D Dan, you're shaking your head, mate, but it's the truth. It is the truth, though. Is it not the truth? Man, ask ask yourself why that's happened, though, Harry. This is the problem. But, but this is the point. It's not happened overnight. It's happened over a decade. It's been going on for mm -hmm. ages. And to expect the damage of a decade to be repaired in two, three seasons is just totally unrealistic. Yeah, but then with the same token, you guys credit Arteta and Adu for bringing in Partey in this state and, and you yeah. know, all these all yeah. these other players. And then, yeah. and then Emery got credited for bringing in, you know, his players, even though he could only dangle Europa League football. We were able to bring in Lacazette, Aubameyang. You know, if you look at the landscape, Gabriel, um, Tierney, they came in under Arsene Wenger, though, so. Yeah, but they came in at a time where we were broken. So this broken notion is rubbish. It's about what you offer. If we had Champions League football, we would be in the running with the same type of players, except we're not willing to pay those prices. It's a choice. It's not because we can't. We choose not to. Wenger chose not to. Emery wasn't allowed to. Arteta desperately wants to, but he's quickly finding out that he works in a nickel and dime store. And so that's do, the reality. Actually, hold on. Do we actually think that Arsene Wenger used to go to bed at night dreaming of Danielsons and Nicholas Bentners as opposed to actually being able to go out and bring in the top, top players? How many times like, are we going to read Arsene Wenger tell to. us that he could have signed Benzema, he could have signed Ronaldo, he could have signed this, he could have signed that? If I read that one more time, I might throw up. Stop telling us what you could have done. It's what you should have done. You whiffed on all of this. You had all the power. You chose not to deal with certain agents. You chose to offer 40 plus one pound for Suarez, which destroyed our reputation in the transfer market. Look at our dealings then. And then it became one marquee player a season because we won FA Cups and they put Band-Aids on that and they told us that these are the teams that can challenge for the Premier League. So then we give you Alexis Sanchez, we give you Ozil, we give you Santi Carzola, but you don't back that up with other players to support such great talent. You silenced fans by offering and dangling a carrot, but you never delivered the salad. And you know what's funny? Is Arsene Wenger, as much as we're slating some of the stuff he did, would have walked this team into top four this season. We are going so backwards. It's I'm unbelievable. not criticising his so like... Good. No, 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 I'm know, not, I know you're legacy, not so far. I'm just saying we wanted Emery out. To criticism. No, 100%. We wanted Wenger gone. We wanted Emery gone. And so did I. But why did we not want this guy gone when he's doing a worse job? I just don't get this. He's doing a worse job than Wenger. He's, in my opinion, he's doing a worse job than Unai Emery. And all of a sudden, we're now saying, let's have another window. Let's have another window. Let's have another window. I just can't I just see it. I just think I that's know. factually untrue, though, Dan, because, I mean, if you consider the reason why we, you know, why we, so many of us campaigned, did podcasts, some people went to protest to get Wenger out, it's because we were on the slide, you know, it's because we were going backwards. And from what, though, on. Tom? From Let what, though? Let me finish the point. We were sliding away, falling away from what we wanted to be at. And when Unai Emery came in, you know, the slide continued. You know, we he left the club when we were in eighth. And by the time Arteta took over, we were in 11th. 
And so it's going to take time before that then starts to arrest. And last season, we, we've we got genuine, tangible evidence that that upturn has begun. You know, no, none of us, if I'd have gone and watched your both of your preview shows from the start of that season, none of us had us down to be in that top four race last year. And the credit goes to what we did in the market and the credit goes into what we did on the pitch because you still have to earn that place. It's, you can't just point to other teams and say, oh, these teams were at it this season because you've still got to be at it and you've still got to do it. And at the end of the day, like, I can't disagree with anything you said there, Soph, because I've been critical of how we have worked in the market for the last decade up until Arteta. It's something I'm vehemently passionate about, how we've changed what we're doing. But I also can't... There, there is a, a, a hypocrisy about criticising what we're doing in the market right now when we're criticising the fact that we can't sell our players. We're criticising the fact that we're having to give players away, that no one wants us. The reason why we're having to do what we're doing in the market alongside trying to improve the squad is so that in the future, we aren't still complaining about selling crap and selling rubbish and giving players away. We've got to balance that. And the whole recruitment team, including Arteta and Edu, has got to balance that now of trying to get a squad that can compete and go forwards. But at the same time, doesn't have people like ourselves in a few years' time again going, we're giving away crap again and we're cancelling contracts. We can't keep doing that. And so you no. have to find the balance. I supported the summer transfer window. I was answering Harry's question about the, you know, in terms of are you t- when he said, are you telling me Wenger could, couldn't do this and that? No, no I agree with that, what that, you said. That part, right. Okay, so I'm in agreement about this transfer market, though, is so important that if we do not buy, like people, you mentioned Perisic. You know, the reason I've mentioned Wijnaldum, these are experienced players who can come in and have an immediate impact, not only on the pitch, but they can also be huge in the dressing room. Because why? Mentally, we're weak source. We still have mental impotence. Why didn't William work then out of interest, do you think? Because I was was literally just going to say that. Because, okay, everyone brings up William. One example of a player who came, by the way, that everyone was excited about when he joined from Chelsea because we'd seen his quality. The truth is the player did not want to be at Arsenal. The money was the attraction. The shirt was never. Moving across London was not. He was heartbroken about it. He never fit in. He never wanted to be there. And Kevin will always say, if you have a player who's just not there mentally, he's not there at all. That's why Willian. Okay. Petrček. You can't. Willian could, was, have, Willian could have quite easily just sat, David Luiz was, was great money. for are you kidding me David Luiz may have made no, a couple what, of mistakes but he was actually a saviour at times in a back line that was absolutely rubbish and in the end I think you know I'm not saying these players are bad so the point I'm making is that you know Arteta renewed David Luiz's contract you know they made decisions to keep those types of plays then went and got Willian you know that was the next player yes he didn't necessarily Willian can't be the stick that we beat this conversation with because it's one example and of a a player that just didn't want to be there that's why he never worked out the problem that we have is we're snobs, right? Just because William mm. didn't work out doesn't mean that one Aldum can't work out. You know, well, I, I was I, I was be- I was begging Arsenal to sign Zlatan for one year after he left LA Galaxy. You know, look what look at Cavani initially at Manchester United, what he did. There's players mm. around. I've been calling okay, for Gundogan gonna, as well. I'm going to tell yeah. you guys, so I might lose the conversation right here altogether. But when I put my list together, I added a player to it because I thought to myself, we never replaced him. We never have an option or plan B when we need just a goal in a game. We never have someone who can graft. Most underappreciated, underrated player in the history of the Premier League, let alone at Arsenal, won everything, just won the Scudetto. I would pay three million and bring Giroud back for one season. Why? Because why not? What do we have to lose at this point? He can be a great player in the dressing room. He's won the World Cup. He's won at the highest level. He's won the Champions League, Europa League since he left the club. He can come on and get a goal when we need it. He can play in the early stages of the Europa League. That's the kind of play. I'm not saying sign all players like him. He wouldn't why come, not? I'm, why, would you, I'm giving, why would you leave I'm AC giving, Milan right now? To I know, to I'm giving you an example. I know, I'm, I'm just giving saying, you an example would, of a player that I think we should be looking at in order to enhance our mental strength and not be it's mental. Not Project Youth, source. though, so but this not is Project Youth. So it won't come. No, but this is the thing. It's not about Project Youth. Like Edu literally sat down in front of the cameras and outlined that. The first phase in front was of the cameras, key saying, key phrase yeah, in course, front of the cameras. Of course, of course, there's PR involved. Like, so if you've worked in PR, you know what it's all about better than any of us. 
PR is part and parcel of the job. In any business where there are so many stakeholders, like there are Arsenal fans, you have to you have to do PR and you have to do it well. And he sat down and he said to us that the first phase was was last summer. Look at how much the team is going to improve when everybody comes back and everybody's inv- available. And when they came back, the team dramatically improved and went on to achieve, as Tom says, way more than anybody on this panel thought they were capable of. So they went and so so that came right. That was proved right. That was proved correct. He then said that in the following window, we'd probably look to add maybe less players, but players of a higher quality and of more experience who can come in and take the team to the next level. And we're four days into the window and okay, it hasn't happened yet. But as you both rightly said, everybody on this panel doesn't think that we should be panicking and pressing the panic button today. So let's give it a chance and see what happens. And if we're having this conversation in the middle of August, then it's a completely different story. But today, you know, they haven't broken a promise yet. So it just feels to me like there's always a a, a reason or, or, or people are looking for reasons to go after the club at the moment. And I I think the Cronkies' ownership has been poor overall. I've said it many, many times. I've accused them of being passive owners because that's what I think they are. I think they're owners that have us as a side project. And, you know, it's we're not the priority. And so the love hasn't been given. The attention hasn't been given. I agree with you that they have the resource to change things and to change it quickly, but they're not going to do it. So we're kind of in, in between a rock and a hard place at the moment. But I find it impossible to jump on something that hasn't failed yet. Like we haven't not gone we out. We did and fail, Harry. We failed to we failed <clears throat> to capitalize on a position that was an improbable situation. We we earned the right to be there, and we failed in closing the deal. Why did we fail? We failed because we made fundamental mistakes in our management and we decided to stick to whatever the summer transfer plan was last season going into January. We're not the gambling type of club. We should have thrown and rolled the dice in the January transfer window the same way Spurs did when and got two players who everybody was laughing at them, by the way, when they came from Juventus saying, oh, they can't even get into the first team in Serie A, changed the trajectory of their um, top four you know, but destiny so and they, they, Newcastle signed Chris Wood, Trippier and Bruno and survived relegation. So don't tell me bringing in players in January couldn't have helped us or made a difference and showed the ambition of Arsenal that, yes, this was plan A. no one available. You know what? Stuff. Here no we are. Available. No, Yeah, of course, there was no Spurs, one available. Now you're making me sound like I'm complaining about the club, I'm but not. you're you're lobbing, you're lobbing some balls that require this, the, the question of, you know, what type of club are we strategically, mentally? You know, we're an image of what we are on the pitch. You know, we, we, we do some things well. We don't have any mental um, stability. You know, we, we go in and out of things. And you can talk all you like about what Arteta and Edu have done. I agree. It was a great transfer window last summer. But we failed in the moment to capitalise on being able to elevate the game a little bit. And they're culpable for that. I think when you look at the reasons that Tottenham finished in the top four, it's largely down to Kane and Son. I think way too much is. <laughs> but they have of, those players. That's way, a moot point. Exactly. They play for Tottenham. Exactly. And they've got two world class players, and they've got a world class manager. And, and we've decided to go down January. a different route. Yeah, as for the North London derby for the run in, though, that's when he was fit. Yeah, which we should have played them in January because we'd have lost. I'm anyway. not going to disagree with you there, Soph. I will hold right. my hands up and say I'll change my mind on that one. We should Sorry, have played Harry. them then. <laughs> we should have played all, them then. All I'm all I'm saying is that because of all the shit that's happened at Arsenal over the last decade, as we've been saying, we I don't think we can roll the dice if we want to get out of this. Like in order to kind of fix the problems at Arsenal, I do think you have to strip it right back and you have to make sure that the foundations are right. You know, because Tottenham's, what Tottenham are doing now, yeah, great. They're in the Champions League. Are they going to be competitive in the Champions it League? Doesn't it doesn't matter, Harry. They're it. there and what it helps and does and the players it attracts, it makes a massive Who difference. It, attract? it attracts Who, a midfielder from Brighton, a right back from Nottingham Forest. They're not done yet. We, Hold on. They're not, they're, not, they're not done yet. And the point is the, the, mon- the money they got Basuma for. We're not for, done yet. Okay, Basuma on the side, right, for 
I'm not talking about his off the field issues, but the money they paid for an asset like that is insane in today's market. That is brilliant business by them. Now, the point is fiscally, it's going to help the club. So you can say, well, who are they going to attract? But yes, and the window's not over for either of us. But if you could go to Tottenham and play for Antonio Conte in the Champions League or go to Arsenal and play for Arteta and be unsure of what, you know, of being a part of a young team and you're a more experienced player, I guarantee you which way a lot of players are going to go. Well, we this, delu- see, this delusion tough, about this delusion about this Kane and Son thing just has to stop for me now. Mate. Why is it delusion, Dan? They're two world class players. Because was Nuno Espirito Santos going to get Tottenham into the top four with Kane and Son fit? The you answer is Manchester no, City, right? right? The answer is no, right? So when you look at what Conte has done, the reason Tottenham got top four is because they had Kane and Son, and they've got an elite manager. That's the which reason. Just said, it's I nothing just to said. do with. Kane and Son are the reason nothing? Tottenham are in the top four. How could, sorry, it's got nothing I'm, to do with it. I'm sorry, Dan. How could it be nothing when Arsenal have no world class players? How long have they been Thomas there? Park? How long have Kane and Son been there? Are they in the Champions? in the Champions League spots every single year? They're not. No, they're not. But you you've just talked about the managerial. So it's been side proven that it's not just Kane and Son. There's the managerial side as well. So Conte is coming and he's got Kane and Son and Tottenham into the Champions League because he's an elite manager. We're not so, me and Carrie aren't saying that. Conte is nothing to do with the reason we're the top just four. said. We are saying... Yeah, you have Kane done before. You have done before, though. The you have primary reason. No, we haven't. We haven't said that it's nothing to do with Conte. We've said that the primary reason... So what's reason... the point of bringing the argument up, then? Because my argument was that Conte's come in and he's got Kane and Son firing, so they're now in the top four. And weeks ago, you and Lee Judges as well, to be fair to him, and Harry said, nah, it ain't that. It's Kane and Son. It's nothing to do with Conte. It's no, Kane and Son. We're not saying it's nothing to do with Conte. Nobody ever said it was nothing to do with Conte. You did. No, no, no I will. No, Primarily, you guys okay. did say that it's Kane and Son. Yeah, he because yeah, much yeah. primarily, I think yeah. they're a massive part no, of it. Probably. I think they're probably a bigger part of it than Antonio Conte. But that doesn't mean Antonio Conte plays no part in it. Antonio Conte has gone there, gone back to basics. He's recognised that he doesn't have top quality in certain areas of the park. He switched it to the back three. The system that he likes to play with, he's given them additional stability. He's made the most of what he has at his disposal. But ultimately, he's got two world-class forwards that have been difference makers in games and got Tottenham over the line. And Harry, can we agree that... Sorry, you have to also agree that their business in January elevated even both 100%. of those players and the entire team to go on a run and finish in fourth place. I agree. I agree that their business in January helped, um, but I don't think it was as impactful as the impact that Kane and Son had is the point that I made. And it doesn't know I, we're talking about finishing top four. Yeah, and I don't they, think, they to would, be honest, that they the January would they business have done for it them, in January, would they have the done it without the January business? wasn't as impactful for them as the injuries to Partey, Tomiasu and Tierney were for at the end of the but season. They, because no, if, but they finished fourth. I'm yes, talking about three, business in January. I'm yeah, talking about who bought and who didn't and how it helped. We didn't. We missed out. They did. It helped them. And they lost no players in their running. None at all. We lost our best player. We and had our, two our best players when we were in a runner form and we went and we in January. And we were January. ahead of them. And we were and ahead we, of them. And, and we were, and we had a terrible January. And then we lost and Partey we to... We did, but we choked. Because That's we lost point. our best we did players. About it. And, we did nothing did about we it, not, though. We lost Tom, our best players did and did nothing about it in January. When those players were injured, what happened? We exposed an innocent Lukonga in midfield who got absolutely ripped to shreds because the manager decided to play Xhaka at left back. We had no resources. You didn't. I'm not talking about going out and buying marquee players with sexy names on their back. Go out and get players. So if those situations happen, two players, by the way, that you know are injury prone and you don't do it, that's on them. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I, I can't agree that it's on them. In its entirety, I'm not going to sit here and say that Arteta is absolved of all blame. And I think that sometimes when we bring up our points, it's very easy to misconstrue that the one point we're bringing up is the sole reason it's not. It's like when we discussed the, yeah. the Kane and Son and Conte thing. That when I say that injuries cost us, I'm not saying that Arteta using Xhaka against Brian at left back didn't contribute. I'm not saying that us not using Tommy Asu at right back against Spurs didn't contribute. It did. I'm not absolving Arteta of all blame. It's just my view that had Partey, Tommy Asutini been there, or just two of those three been there for the last 10 games of the season or after the international break, it is my passionate view that we would have got top four. And we wouldn't be talking about this. And the other thing as well, the other thing as well to note is that going 
coming out of January when the window closed. We won six of our seven Premier League games and nobody was saying a word about the lack of business in January. And it's very easy to then go back and say, oh, that was a problem. Ooh, I, didn't I hear, was saying, I, I, I think Arsenal anybody. fans were very vocal about January. Not on that run of six wins and the only defeat was against mm, Liverpool. That, Nobody was saying I mean, a word about Maybe we were it. reading the different newspapers or social media threads, but um, so, when so we didn't when we sign anyone run, in January... When we were forget Harry, the, forget January football, after January, well, you're happy as a fan, but you there are still fans that are smartly critical and sensible about how they criticise the team. There are a lot of fans that said, "Look, watch, we'll go on a run, we'll win three or four games, okay. and then we'll lose three. Let me ask you another question: Did anybody here ask for a fullback in January? Not a single I've been, person. I've been begging but we were for missing our two to, fullbacks. It I've just been, goes to show you can't always foresee everything. That's the point here. I didn't. We, I didn't ask for one because I thought we had one, but we gave him on Roma for on loan. So oh, come on, is not on. the answer. He's no, but really how long have we been saying that Tierney's would have been better. Would have been better. Cedric was fine for so long. It's just when you lose both starting fullbacks, if you got Maitland Niles or Cedric, they're going to get exposed. When you've got, you know, we've got Tommy Asu and Tierney, we, we know are significantly ahead of those two players. We can all admit that. When you lose both your start, Chelsea were were touted as title challengers for this season. They lost Ben Chilwell for the entire campaign, and they lost Reese James for a lot of the season. All of a sudden, they fell away from their title change. You lose your starting fullbacks, no matter if you're Chelsea, City, or whoever. You are losing what your ambition is because it is such a crucial position in the side, especially when you're going into the running with what three, five, whatever points ahead of your, your rivals. Go on, Harry. Let me just hit the pause button quickly because we've got a couple of super chats and I don't want them to disappear. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> uh, big thank you to Ayathuka who says, Sophie is right, but we still have some kind of faith that the ownership will change even after 10 years and getting emotional for nothing is a waste. Uh, we've got a second super chat from the same person. Thank you so, so much. Says it will be interesting to see this same panel three years from now and where Arsenal and Arteta are and what opinions we'll have as well, we compared to each other by then. That's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> we'll still be arguing about something. We'll still be arguing about something. But okay, we've talked about the past and the problems and, and what's yeah, gone wrong and, and all of that. <laughs> we still love with, each other, chat, by the yeah, way. We you do, know, this we do. <laughs> listen, we might disagree on love, a lot man. of stuff, but love, I've got man. a lot of respect for the three people here on the panel. Um, Sophie, let's come to you first. Okay, what would a good window look like for you? And we kind of set like a, a make-believe transfer budget, didn't we, of around about 120 million based on some internet valuations because I wanted it to be realistic. Like I so often have this conversation with people and they, they list off names that we're not going to get anywhere near. So what would a good window look like for you um, in terms of the players you've identified? And, and we can see if we agree, disagree on that. Okay, shall I just read them all out? Go and then, it. you know, this is what I would do if I was a do. My first signing announcing would be Zinchenko, 28 million. My second signing would be Hickey, 20 million. My third signing would send a little bit of a rocket down the Arsenal fandom because it would be one of those coming out of left field. But I would actually make him, I would sell Kieran Tierney to Newcastle for 40, 45 million. I would bring in Zinchenko. I would bring in Hickey. But as the starter at left back, and I'd promise him a great future, is Timikas from Liverpool. That's what I would do. You're like reverse Southgate at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick, I'll bust these out. Um, Liv Livramento, I think we could get him at a good price, even though he's coming off a long injury. I really like him. Um, another versatile player. Uh, Jonathan David would be my striker. He's been absolutely integral to Canada qualifying for the World Cup. He's had an amazing season. I don't think we should let the Lille thing turn us off at all. Um, he's good value for 22 years old. Made 38 appearances, scored 15 goals this season. Um, I would bring in Wijnaldum as a, as a player to have in the squad. I'd keep an eye on Tyler, Tyler Adams, Tammy Abraham and Nathan Aki as well. That is my names, my people for the transfers. Now, so. now, now what do you think we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well... I think, why can't we sign Zinchenko if you can convince him to just be in Europa League for one season, if you're going to build a team that can truly challenge and win the Europa League? I think, I, I don't mind Jesus coming in. Um, I would just choose another player over him. But if he comes in, I'll be more than happy, be super stoked because he's much better than what we have right now and can certainly deliver. Uh, Tielemans, I think he'd be a great addition to the squad. I think we two of our most important positions that I think people have downgraded and down-talked a little bit is cover for right back and cover for left back. You've got Saliba coming back 
And yeah, Tommy Asu and Ben White can cover in those positions. But, you know, that's why I mentioned the players that I did. So I think it's realistic. I don't think I've put anyone on there that Arsenal shouldn't show and have the ambition to sign. I didn't add Alfonso Davies. I didn't put in Lewandowski. I didn't put in Fabian Ruiz. I didn't put in, like, if it was down to me, I would sign these players. But I think I've put together a realistic list. I think with the Zinchenko thing for me, right, one of the things I've... So I've got a colleague that I work with over at 90 Min who is literally a transfer correspondent. All he does is um, sort of tap into people and, and get lines on, on information, very well connected um, with with certain clubs and, and, and speaks a lot of um, stuff in particular about the clubs up in the Northwest and in the Northeast and stuff. And one of the things he said about Zinchenko was that in order to kind of get him away from Manchester City, somebody's going to have to convince him that he's got a role in midfield to play because that's ultimately what he wants to do. Now, I don't know about you guys, but 50% of the appeal for Zinchenko for me is that he can play left back as well. And I wonder if, if, if he insists that he wants to play in the midfield only, then he's not as appealing a prospect to me as he would have been if he could fill both of those positions. Now, I don't know that for a fact. That's just what I've, what I've heard and, and stuff. But do you guys agree that Zinchenko, as a versatile player who can cover a number of roles, is a much more appealing prospect than Zinchenko, the centre midfielder? I, I actually disagree. Um, I really like Zinchenko as a player. He was on my list. Technically, if I, when you watch him for Ukraine, this is a, a really, really solid midfielder. Um, I think he offers so much going forwards and going backwards. I think he links the play really, really well. I think he's direct when he's given the opportunity to play in midfield as well. I know where you're coming from, Harry. I really do, because obviously we think of him so naturally as, you know, the bit part player for Man City, Pep Guardiola's utility man. I know that's, you know, the, the stigma, I think, that gets set by him. But but no, I, I, I like him a lot. And I think that his technical ability is is of a level at 25 that he could, if given responsibility in the Xhaka role, which, you know, in, in a season's time when Xhaka maybe isn't here anymore, I think would actually elevate that position with his movement, with his versatility, with his uh, his progression, with his mentality. You know, this is a guy playing in the Ukrainian national side with a, the mentality is, is mad being in both those teams in Man City and Ukraine. And he's, I believe, you know, I believe he's their captain, um, I think. Sophie, you might be able to tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm sure he is their, their captain. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love the kid. I think he'd be great. Don't get me wrong. I, I like him and I'd be happy with the signing. Mm. But if, if he if he was to come and say, I don't want to play at left back, that would, if I were a manager trying to sign him, that would kind of put me off because most, of, well, not most of, but a lot of the reason why he's a good option for me is not just because he's a good midfielder, but because he can do that as well. Um, Dan, let's come to you, mate. Let's get your uh, your thoughts on, on basuma, what a basuma, 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 good basuma. window looks like. <laughs> Actually, before you do that, Dan, one second. If you guys could please smash the like button, um, it would be very, very much appreciated because there's over 600 of you with us at the moment. And I think we've got about 100 likes. Let's try and get that up to 250, 300. And make sure you subscribe to everybody's channels. All the links are in the description. So please do uh, get involved. Go on, Dan. Take it away, mate. Fair play, man. Um, what I think we'll get and what I think we need are two very different things, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think we need to go all out big this summer for the pure fact that we were getting rid of players even as um, recent as January so that we could try and have this big summer and clear the wage bill down, etc. So I'm expecting us to spend a lot of money. The rumours are that it's going to be between sort of over 100 to 200. I'm not sure how true it is. You probably guys will know more than me. Um, I expect it to be a very similar summer to the one that we had previously where six players came in and I expect that roughly to be the number of players that we get in because I think that's what we need to try and compete which with what I think is going to be a very difficult top four challenge because of reasons um, that everybody knows about and I'm not going to go into again um, who would I like to get I like to challenge Tottenham if the rumours are true for uh, Jed Spence I think the kid looks like he'll be um, a really good talent and he's definitely good cover for Tommy Asu and I think he'd be happy to come in at the Arsenal and try and challenge for that position Um the other player I've always liked in that position, two players, Max Ahrens and Lamptey, that I would like to try and put a bid in for. But again, I think there'll probably be a lot of money and I'm not so sure that uh, that's too realistic. But Jed Spence would be one for, to come in at left back. I'm with Sophie. I like the sound of Aaron Hickey and I really like Kieran Tierney and I just hope that he could keep fit. If he wasn't made of glass, I think he'd be exceptional. And we see what happens when he's out of this team. We are just completely different and he needs to be fit. Um, 
I am very good friends with a lad who is Scottish and is always watching Scotland. And he says this kid actually does look really good. So he's a big fan of his and says that it would be a really good signing for Arsenal. Uh, Saliba, bring him back, please. I hope he does come in because that will be someone who definitely improves us at the back. Um, I think he can rival Ben White 100% because I'm sure he's out with me with Ben White. Now that it's not Bissouma... I'm going for Neves and Tielemans. I wanted Basuma and Tielemans. I'll go Neves and Tielemans now. I think they're both Premier League proven. I think they're at the right age and I think they've shown enough quality, in my opinion, um, to take us forward. Um, and then uh, up top is where the surgery is needed, I think. And I'd love to see Tammy Abraham coming in. I really would. I think it's going to be a lot of money, though. So whatever we do up top is going to cost us a lot. So um, this is what I want, not what I think will happen. I'd like to see Jesus come in because I think he can play in a few positions. And again, he's Premier League proven. And I think that although he's probably not prolific striker, he's got the right mentality and work rate. Um, so I'd love to see him come in with Tammy Abraham. And there's something at the back of my mind that just would love us to go in for either Rafinha or Gnabry on that right-hand side because I don't think Mark Quinos is the guy to come in and take Pepe's place if Pepe does go. So there's a lot of people that will say, that's a lot of players there. It's a lot of players. Yeah, that is a lot of players. <laughs> that is what we need. If we want to compete, that's what we need. Jaden Jesus and Tielemans is going to do nothing. Trust me, we need much more than that. So um, what do I think is going to happen? I think it will be Jesus and Nketiah as our front line. That will be it. Um, can't see anybody else realistically coming in. I think um, Tielemans will come in. And I think the rest will just be backup players like Hickey and a backup right back. I think that'll be it. Tom, uh, before I come to you one second, mate, I've got a couple more mm. super chats. No worries, uh, I just want to quickly address because otherwise I lose them. Uh, Rich says, uh, Rich for a day says Spurs were missing Doherty, Romero and Regulon. I think that was in response to when we were talking earlier about sort of missing players in the business end of the season. Uh, Fort Lou Lauderdale, I can never say that. Fort Lauderdale, Guna Craig. Uh, says, this is legit the best debate I've seen in a long time. Also, this is a down payment on a plate from Harry's Barbecue. Yes, I was barbecuing again today. Um, it's got to be done. God, the sun's out. Why not? Why not? Why not? Uh, sun's out. Why not? Traded. Why not? Sun's out. <laughs> sun's out. I, I, went, I went in the house this afternoon and um, my missus goes to me, do you know what? I've been out all day. I haven't even thought about dinner today. What do you fancy eating? I was like, barbecue. And she goes, mm. what? She goes, have you got have you got all the stuff? And I was like, of course I have. <laughs> what kind of question is this? I've got stuck of charcoal. I've got it all, mate. <laughs> What's going on? Um, sorry, one more super chat. And then uh, I'll come to you, Tom. This one is from Joseph, who says, guys, honestly, we're literally just four days into the window. Please, let's wait and see what happens come August. Bissouma, by the way, is inferior to Partey, in my opinion. Um, Tom, let's have yours. Yeah, um, I, I I only actually went for one defender. Um, he will be a left back though, so Sophie will be thrilled about that. Um, in Zinchenko, uh, you know, I've gone for I just as I've already explained, I don't need to go into more detail, but I think he'd be a great addition to the group. Um, Tielemans, I've gone for, um, and then I kind of look into the, the forward line uh, with with Jesus. Uh, I said Skamaka because I just think that you know I I would obviously love Tammy Abraham, but I just don't think realistically Jesus and Tammy's price tags they take all our budget. You know, <laughs> just those two on their own, I think would I'd love to see it be Tammy. And I agree with Dan that he's definitely the right pick of the strikers. I think that we could go for. Um, but Skamaka is a is a cheaper option, and also gives you something different um, in the forward line as well. Uh, and in terms of the wide player, I'd, I'd go for Cody Gakpo. Um, I like the guy's power. I love his creation. I love his goal scoring. I love his directness of his runs into the box. He really gets involved with the plan. Isn't selfish at all either, and can create plenty. You know, over thirty goal contributions this season for PSV. Um, really, really strong player, and he's like six foot three and a winger, so it gives you a bit more power and something different as well in the wide area that we haven't had in the past. So yeah. Only the one defender in, in Zinchenko obviously can play midfield. Um, I don't think Tavares will, will go anywhere. Uh, that's why I, I didn't choose him. I, I don't think he will end up going. If he does, though, I agree with the guys that Aaron Hickey would be a good choice uh, to come in as a, as a potential replacement. Tielemans in midfield, if you wanted to press me, I did say maybe get, grabbing Corentin Tolisso on a free after he leaves Bayern Munich this summer uh, as a possible just to you know, grab him on a free. Um, but yeah, Jesus Gakpo and Skamaka as a as a forward line signings. 
Brilliant. Sounds good. Um, I, I personally, uh, like, I know I've tried to be like really positive throughout the show. I'm going to sound like I'm being doom and gloom now, but I'd be surprised if we got more than three players in. And when I say three players, I mean significant players. I don't mean the Marquinhos of this world. I think they're extras. Um, I think what would represent a realistic window for us, because, you know, we, we do keep hearing these rumours and these whispers that, you know, we are quite reliant on being able to sell again, which we keep hearing every summer. And it's really frustrating. And where I am getting a little bit frustrated, I have to admit, is that when that stuff keeps coming up after I've, you know, spent the last couple of summers being very understanding because of having to move people out, it, it does frustrate me. Mm. But I think if we could get Zinchenko in, but again, as I said before, I, I want him not to be a left back, but to be able to slot into that position in the event that we need him to. I want Tielemans. And I want Gabriel Jesus. I think if we got those three major signings, I think that would be a step in the right direction. And I'm not, it's not that I don't want more, it's that I don't realistically expect more. Um, so that would kind of satisfy me in terms of at least us showing that we're moving in the right direction. Where are direction. your standards, Harry? Where, where are your standards? I mean, you know, I'm yeah, doing I, this with chess. But the other thing, the other thing as well, <laughs> the other thing as well that I think, I, I do think the fullback thing is an issue. I, I really do. And obviously, you know, I, I don't want to say that Tommy Asu's injury prone because. I don't know enough about his history previously to say that. I, I think we can agree that Tierney is, though, and that's for sure. So yeah. I think that with Saliba coming back in, it does kind of give us a bit more options in that back line because now you could potentially put Ben White at right back if you needed to. You could potentially move Tommy Asu out at left back if it was an emergency. Like We've just got a little bit more wiggle room there as a result of that. Um, so I think that the midfield and the, the striker position are, for me, what really, really needs addressing if we are indeed limited on what we can spend. Look, one more um, super chat and then we're going to leave it there because I know uh, you guys have got a dash as well. Master Roshi says, I feel like a Brazilian renaissance uh, is coming. Jesus, Rafinha, Danilo dos Santos and then Hickey. Zinchenko and Tielemans. Is this a good window? That would be a good window, but I think that's way more than we're going to get. Um, let's take this one from Wayne, who says, there was a period when fans were debating whether uh, Tierney would get his place back in the squad. Neves was so, I think he meant Tavares, was so good. The same for Lokonga. Now, all of a sudden, those signings were trash. Uh, VJ says, Basuma would not have come as backup since Tielemans seems to be the priority. Domestic and Europa League when he can start at Spurs. Um, four days in the transfer window and there's already scandals. You guys are brilliant. Love this debate. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, a couple of comments in, in the chat box that um, I've just seen, which I'm going to block. I'm sorry, but, but I, I'm not going to invite people onto my show and then sit there and watch them get people shouting nonsense at them in the chat. So you'll be gone. Like, simple as that. Um, we don't tolerate it here. Not going to have it. And, uh, and that's that. Anyway, uh, guys, thank you so, so much. We've run out of time. Uh, Dan, thank you. Remind people again how they can follow you, how they can keep up to date with all the great stuff that you do. Cheers, Harry. Always a pleasure, man. Great uh, and love and respect for all of you lot, man. Love doing shows of you, you free in particular. Um, at Dan Arsenal 87 on all socials, Insta as well now as Twitter. And uh, if you come over on YouTube, you'll see me on AFTV, Lee Judges TV. Or if you can, come and subscribe to my new channel, uh, Football's 12th Man on YouTube. I believe the link is in the description somewhere. Um, so that'd be great. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, mate. Sophie, thank you so much for your time as always. Uh, tell people about the Highbury squads and where they can find it. The most important thing you'll learn on this show is Greeks even barbecue in the rain. Okay, Damn there you right. go. There you have Damn it. Right. Uh, at Highbury Squad, uh, give us a listen over on YouTube. And just started a new show with Jess as well, kicking it with Soph and Jess, um, which we'll be doing on each of our channels, She Knows Arsenal and Highbury Squad for this coming season. And you'll find me on TalkSport and Sky Sports every now and again. Thank you to all the kind people in chat who stimulated some really good conversation. Well done. Thank you. Uh, Tom, same to you, mate. Yeah, always a pleasure to join you three absolute legends. And uh, it sucks that Sophie's gone back, but uh, I'm sure when she comes back over, we'll all uh, 
I'll have uh, we'll have some uh, some Greek we'll barbecue. barbecue. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> it's going to be necessary. So uh, I look forward to that. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. As always, you can find me at Laguna Talk TV at a ridiculously early time of eight AM every day, uh, keeping you up to date with all the latest Arsenal news. Uh, and of course, we usually do a show around six o'clock as well now uh, in the afternoon for our obviously Western listeners that are fast asleep, well, most of them, uh, when I'm doing the 8 a.m. show. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. But thank you again for having me on and, and chat box, as Sophie said. You've been brilliant. Fantastic stuff, as always, from all of you. Thank you all so, Why is so that much. funny? Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> Go on, then. <laughs> No, I just made, no, I won't go into it, man. It just made me laugh. It just made me laugh the way you said it. It's my brilliant. teacher voice again. You got it. Brilliant. It's great. Love it. Fantastic stuff. Thank you to every single one of you uh, for tuning in. Thank you for all the kind super chats. Thank you uh, for all the likes on the video and for all your good comments uh, in the chat box. We'll be back very, very soon with more. We could have gone on all day, but we'll be back very soon. Take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.